Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, April 26, 2017, 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. And today we are reading from the Big Book and we are on page 31, paragraph 3. And today's readers are Reading the 12 Steps, Christine M., The 12 Traditions, Penny L.C., and reading the text and support for us today is Rocky I, Mary H, and Gina R. The reference numbers, one for yesterday's 10 a.m. meeting, 9874, that's for April 25th, 9874, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And today for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, April 26th, 9875, 9875. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Christine M. to read the 12 steps. Yes, good morning, everyone. My name is Christine M., rightfully recovered compulsive overeater from Missouri, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to, our, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Christine M. I will now ask Penny L.C. to read the Twelve Traditions. Thank you, Melanie. Good morning, and good morning to everyone on the line. This is Penny L.C., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from the state of Washington. The Twelve Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous 
should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for your service, Melanie, and I pass. Thank you, Penny L.C., how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic, This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 31. Paragraph 3, starting with we do not pronounce, and we're going to be focusing on that paragraph today. And I will ask Rocky I to begin our study and discussion. Good morning. Can I be heard? You can. Hi. Hi. Um, so I'm Rocky, recovered in Tempe, Arizona. Um, so we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over the nearest barroom and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try to try it one, try it more than once. It will ne- it will not take long for you to de- to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. It might be worth a bad case of jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. And I'm stopping there, right? Yes. Okay. Great. Thank you. Um, so I love, uh, I keep saying the same thing, but I really do love my big book. Uh, and I have it in my book as humorous because the paragraph before it says, all the methods that have tried, oh my God, and um, I think I shared yesterday, I was like the cat in the hat, you know, diet, no diet, pills, no pills, even in the morning, in the afternoon, with a fork, with a spoon, not eating, binging, perching, like it is. Um, extreme exercise, run like a horse, you know, uh, dance until you tore your meniscus. And so all the methods that I tried, um, the last one was the lab band, woo-hoo! Um, and uh, gosh, magazines, the next diet, the next this, and uh, <laughs> I didn't think I was insane until I read this. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I, when I read this, I quickly diagnosed. I was like, oh, my God, this is me. And it was crazy. It, I was crazy. Um, well, I might still be, but not as uh, used to. And so uh, I like it because I thought that I didn't show um, I thought that everybody did the same, and now I realize that everybody is as crazy as I am. And um, I can only think of uh, my family, you know, what I put them through. Now, you know, now we're doing vegan. Now we're doing paleo. Now we're doing all carbs. Now we're doing all protein. Now we're doing uh, all liquids. Now, you know, and my poor family just, like, hang on to me. My husband um, never complained and... Uh, I hope that he can forgive me for my craziness, and I hope that um, uh, this new way of living is not as crazy as before, because I was really crazy. And so to the newcomer, um, just 
you know, give you a chance, give yourself a chance, buy the book, get the book, and do the work. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Rocky I. We're opening now for those that want to discuss and share their experience on paragraph three, page 31. Press star one to unmute your line, and I'll take your name. Suji. Hi, Suji. Hi. Anybody else? What page is that? Page 31, paragraph three. We do not like to pronounce one paragraph only. Charles D. Hi, Charles D. Anybody else? Mary H. Terry H. H. Terry H. Anybody else? Let's go with those four. And um, about halfway through, I'll give a, a promo with a pause for our convention, too. So I have Suji, Charles D., Mary H., and Terry H. Hi, Suji. Hi, good morning. This is Suji, um, recovered by the grace of God um, from Michigan. Um, boy, this put me in a, in a, uh, well, this is before I was recovered, but, and before I came to the vision meetings, but, um, put me in a buffet, Chinese buffet, because I thought that didn't count because I would take something and I wouldn't like it. I would take a few dishes, choose a few things. Uh, I didn't pick sugar, but, um. And then I find that I, well, I don't like this one. So I get to replace it, right? So I would go and I would replace it, try a couple other things. And, well, I like this one. Okay, so I'll eat that. I don't like this one, so I get to replace it. And I, um, to this day, I, 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 I know that there are people that can go in places that, um, as long as you have a purpose for going there, uh, to go in. But I choose not to go into Chinese buffets because I know I I just uh, the obsession of the mind takes over and um, I don't if I don't have to fight it I don't have to fight it and I haven't had you know if if my friends go there for for lunch I just say that I'm sorry I can't go there and could we go somewhere else or and usually they're they're willing to go somewhere else but I, I, you know, I, I hope and pray for the day that, you know, that I can, I can go in there safely, and I'd rather just go to a Chinese dinner, a Chinese restaurant, and uh, order a dinner that I can have, which is not too much because um, of the way they prepare their food. But um, I am, I am a compulsive overeater, and, um, and I'm a sick one. And I will always be a compulsive overeater, and that's what I have to, I have to, concede to. And uh, that didn't come quickly. Uh, I always thought that that um, I think I shared the other day or something that that it wasn't me; it was everything around me. And if you know, and food was what I went to uh, was my. So food was my solution, um, not my problem. My problem was my life, and food was the solution to get through it. And I, you know, I thank God that that um, He's brought me through that and brought me to acknowledging that um, that I will always have this problem. And if I always have to avoid certain situations, I've got a wedding coming up. My daughter's wedding, the end of June, and um, it's a sit-down dinner, and I intend to eat what I can and not what I can't. And uh, thank you. Uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Suji. Charles D., you're next. Charles D., star one. Well, yes, here I'm sorry. I heard something. Um, okay, great. Hi, Charles. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, Charles, a uh, compulsive reader from Oregon. Um, 
I'm, I'm really happy to uh, get online today and tell you about my, a little bit about my um, disease. Um, certainly, I, I have not been able to control my disease for um, my entire life, but my disease got a lot worse in the last few years. And in the last year, it was, de it was devastating. It was really killing me. Um, and once, once I began a binge, it was um, always to the, um, the bitter end of, of making myself completely sick. Uh, sometimes uh, I would uh, be in places where I had to um, uh, sleep in my car or, or else find some place where I could lie down because I, I couldn't oftentimes make it home. I was so sick. Um, I would go to uh, like a conference and have a complete intention to just have a normal one plate of food. And um, I would start with one plate, but then I would think, well, I just need a little bit more. Well, that would start in on uh, eating huge amounts of food for the rest of the conference and um, not being able to participate in the conference because I'd eaten, eaten so much food. Um, so I, I'm really like the, you know, I'm like the dog in the in the kennel. That's uh, as long as it stays in the kennel, it's not going to run away. But as soon as it gets out, as soon as the uh, it it gets out the gate and um, sees some freedom, it runs. And that's the way my disease is. As soon as it senses that it's um, uh, it's it's open to eat anything. I eat anything, and I go for it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Charles D. Mary H. Good morning. This is Mary H., a recovered compulsive overeater in Northern California. And in this paragraph, I see a couple things. First, I see that we don't pronounce any individual an alcoholic, so I'm not diagnosing anyone else, and no one else can diagnose me. I like that because I'm a little uh, defiant, and I don't like people telling me what to do or who to be, and <laughs> so, and then the other part is that this is actually kind of a, I see it not, first I saw it as, oh, you dum-dum, go try to eat again and see if you can control it, but it's not really that it's I see it as that's how we diagnose ourselves is that we need to go see what you know in the beginning let's say when we first when I first learned about the allergy and I'm thinking well I don't really know what I eat everything and uh, I don't really know what triggers me so it's telling me I need to do some research and development I need to I need to figure it out if I haven't figured it out yet. Figured it out meaning what those allergic foods are. And um, even in recovery, in my recovered state, it's, it continues to be um, refined. And I also am much more sensitive to my trigger foods if they happen to sneak into my diet. And I'll give you an example because it was so powerful for me. Um, I, um, it was Thanksgiving and I had all my, my food was fine. I had it planned out, but the next day there was some leftover cheese and crackers and I had planned, I didn't have them during Thanksgiving, but I planned on having some, um, for lunch the next day, which is fine for me. Um, so I had, there's this assortment of crackers and assortment of cheese and I had it in the right portions, all kind of normal, sane thinking and I'm eating them, and all of a sudden I hit this one cracker, and I go, wow, that is an awesome cracker. Like, that is unbelievable. And I'm eating it, and I and then I think I had another one, and I went, oh, my God, I'm going to have this cracker every day. And I'm sort of just unconsciously, but I remember those thoughts. And then all of a sudden I thought, oh, God, why is it? I felt like my eyes were, like, popping out of my head like a cartoon with those springs, and... And my, I was salivating more, and I thought, oh, no, 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 no. This is, you know, finally the same thought came in and said, no, Mary, think about this. And I thought, oh, no, some crackers 
have sugar in them. They're like little biscuits or something. And this cracker had sugar in it. So for me, all of a sudden, it was the combination of flour, fat, and sugar. And my, I just, I could feel the difference all of a sudden immediately in my body. And there was, and I'll wrap it up. And there was like two more left. And uh, I told, you know, so I got to that conscious level of, uh uh-oh, I got to stop. And the other, the little devil on my shoulder went, hurry up and eat before, before, (laughs) before you can stop yourself. And I ate the rest. And I thought, oh, and then the fear set in. I thought, oh, no, you know, and luckily I was able to, you know, talk to my sponsor, talk to some other fellows, make some commitments, and and it didn't lean into a full full throttle binge. But it was was like this warning of very clearly how my body can react to those, those foods. And uh, a little more research and development, and um, yeah, so it scares me even talking about it. How powerful that that craving can be once it's ingested. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Mary. Thank you, Terry H. You're next. Hi, thanks. My name's Terry H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. By no means can I ever pronounce anyone a compulsive overeater. Um, you know, my job is to carry the message, and the only message that I have today is my experience, strength, and hope. And, you know, it for me, I can only look at my own experience and how I went through this process. And for me, you know, I had to go out and, and experiment. You know, that was the insanity of my disease. My disease, you know wanted me to stay in my disease and and um and go out and and try to control throughout all those crazy methods no one can tell me i was a compulsive overeater not my family not my friends not the toilet i had my head in not the buffets i was sitting at no one not doctors not professionals you know my best friend I had to get to that place where I didn't have a choice anymore. And, you know, either I was going to die or I was going to live and work this program. And it took rigorous honesty. You know, I lied, cheated, and stole in my disease. And once I could, you know, look at myself and, and say, you know, I, I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm powerless over this disease and surrender, you know, with rigorous honesty, then that's where the work started to begin. And, um, you know, working these steps through it, it wasn't easy. Um, However, you know, my life is so much better today. And, um, you know, I could never, ever tell anybody, you know, that there, I want to sometimes, that's my ego, you know, that's my self-knowledge, my, you know, that comes up, but I have to keep myself in check. And, you know, and just do what I can do is, is carry the message and share my experience, strength, and hope. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Terry H. And we'll take just a moment here to pause for um, a, a brief convention promo. In case you don't know and you haven't heard and, and you need to have this information because you do, <laughs> your very own home meeting, A Vision for You, is hosting a convention. It'll be September 15th, 16th, and 17th, 2017 in northern New Jersey. All the information you need for this, Power the Big Book, a weekend of inspiration, education, motivation, and fellowship can be found on our website at www.avisionforyou.info. Please go check that out. Register. We want to see you. And with that, we'll continue. Who would like to share on Page 31, paragraph 3, we do not like to pronounce. Laura W. Hi, Laura W. Anybody else? Christine M. Christine M. Anybody else? Andy K. from New York. Hi, Andy. And I heard somebody else. Rose M. Hi, Rose. Hi. I heard a hi. Who's that? That was me. <laughs> that was Rose M. Okay. 
Okay, great. Thanks so much. Okay, okay. we have oh, Sherry KB, good. Anybody else want to get in there? Okay, we'll stop with that. Laura W., Christine M., Andy K., Rose M., and Sherry KB. Hi, Laura. Hey, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? I can. Great. Thanks. This is Laura W. I'm a recovered compulsive eater, anorexic, and exercise bulimic from South Jersey. Gosh, I love this chapter. Um, we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic. They're so humble when they write this. You know, when they wrote this book, they they really you know they talk about um, not telling anybody what to do. However, this whole book is filled with promises, and then it's filled with warnings, like what's going to happen if I don't do this. So even though they're not telling us what to do, they're telling us what's going to happen if we, what their experience is, what's going to happen if we don't do it. You know, try some controlled drinking. You know, I don't need to be a part of that research and development team anymore. I've been there, you know, I've been there way too long. And I've been absent almost 13 years now and recovered. However, the path continues to get narrower as I, as I age. You know, foods that were abstinent for me 12 and a half years ago, they're not on my food plan anymore. Not necessarily because they caused me to go into relapse, but because it just wasn't, you know, it, it just wasn't right for my body. I was, something wasn't feeling right, and it wasn't feeling clean, and it didn't feel like I was living honestly when I was eating them, even though I weighed and measured it and, and all that stuff, you know. But in the past, it, it, talks a, it talks a lot about delusion in this chapter, and delusion is the inability to tell the truth from the false. And in the disease, I can't tell the truth from the false. I think my way is the right way. It's the only way. It's selfish. It's self-centered. You know, the delusion, the illusion, and the self-deception that my disease takes, it's deadly. It's absolutely deadly for, for me. And in the, these two pages alone, that we, the first two pages of more about alcoholism, it says the word control six times. And when I try to control something, um, I lose control of it. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. When I was controlling the food, I wasn't enjoying it. And when I was enjoying the food, it certainly wasn't the right food for me. I, I couldn't control it. So what a great reminder for me that, you know, what I'm doing now, working through these steps on a daily basis, living in 10, 11, and 12, helping others, um, working on, staying on my side of the street, which is a new thing for me, um, it really is, really is what works for me. I know who I am. I am a compulsive eater. I'm an anorexic. I'm an exercise bulimic, and I have an allergy to certain substances that when I put them in my body, I cannot stop. And I have to be rigorously honest uh, on a daily basis. What causes that allergy of the body? And, you know, I can't tell you what causes your allergy, and you can't tell me what causes mine, but God can. And I want to live in connection with God on a daily basis. And when I'm abstinent and recovered, that brings me closer to my higher power. That is how I know that this program is right for me. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Laura W. Christine M., you're next. Yes, yeah, Christine M., rightfully recovered compulsive overeater in Missouri. Yeah, um, this is some powerful stuff. And, you know, no one could diagnose me, and I can't diagnose anyone. And, you know, I didn't get recovered. I didn't get to a state of um, realizing that I was powerless and how un unmanageable my life was by somebody telling me. Um, I got to that place because food beat me into a state of reasonableness, you know. Um, and I was handicapped. Oh, I'm sorry, I have the wrong page. I was, um, I was thinking of something else. I was, um, I had to do a lot of research as well. And, uh, you know, I don't have to do that anymore because I know I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, food, you know, had beat me into a state of reasonableness where I could no longer, you know, deny the fact that um, food was dictating everything in my life, you know, uh, when to eat you know, when to sleep, what to eat. Um, this disease was just pulling me around, dragging me around, and um, I had lost the power of choice. And, you know, um, it, it is worth a bad case of jitters. It was worth a bad case of jitters to get a full knowledge of my condition because um, I wasn't ready to put the food down until I was in enough pain to where I was willing to put the food down and try it. Um, 
somebody else's way, which is the way of the first 100 who wrote this book to get recovered. Um, and not a minute before that. Not a minute before that. And um, the last thing I want to say is it really reminds me of the page um, on page 48 where it says, Faith with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a te tedious process, but we hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as we were. And that's the way um, it was for me, faced with food destruction. You know, I soon became open-minded on spiritual matters because I didn't have anything left. I didn't have any more tricks up my sleeve. There was nothing... There was no other methods that I could try, and I was beat up. I was beat down, and, um, and you know, I, and, I, and I surrendered. And, and thank you, God, that um, I got enough pain to where I was willing to surrender because if the food was still working for me, I would still be doing it. Um, but it stopped working. And I'm so grateful. Um, that I've gone through the 12 steps and I live in 10, 11, and 12, and I'm recovered. And um, I'm so grateful to be on this line. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christine M. Andy K. Hi, this is Andy K. from New York. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. Uh, thanks so much, Melanie, for your service, and thanks, everybody, for your awesome shares so far this morning. Um, at the top of page 32, it will not take long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. It may be worth a bad case of jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. Well, geez, after all these years, I definitely have a full knowledge of my condition, and um, that is that I am a critical-level food addict, compulsive overeater, and um, and I don't have the power of choice today. I lost that. At, 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 what, is, what does the book say? Um, all human. Oh, I'm forgetting the quote now, of course, that I'm on the phone with you guys. But um, the power of choice. I don't have the power of choice today. I have to be really clear on what foods light me up. I have to be really clear on what foods do I need to control in order to be abstinent. Um, food plan is a very important piece of, of recovery for me. Um, and full knowledge of my condition also means that I have to understand I have a built-in forgetter. So uh, as <laughs> I've relapsed several times in this program. I'm in the rooms for 17 years, and it has not been a straight road for me. And that is because of this built-in forgetter. Um, and, uh, and that's why I need to keep coming back. I need to have my nose in this book. I have to be on the meetings, not only listening to the recorded meetings, I need to show up and share. And that's what I'm doing today. Um, certain pages scream out to me, um, and that is on page 16 where Bill says, faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. Yeah, so uh, my higher power and I uh, need to have a really close relationship. And the only way for me to establish and to keep that relationship is to stay clean with the food because the food just blocks me, blocks that relationship with my higher power. Another page that I love um, is the top of page 20 where it says, our lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Um, so if I'm busy thinking about other people and doing God's will, um, the food and I are no longer friends. The, my higher power and I, are we have an alliance. Um, and then I'll end with the, another favorite quote of mine on the bottom of page 25. One was to go to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other is to accept spiritual help. So each day we're at, um, we have a choice to make. Um, are we going to succumb to the disease or are we going to walk with God? And today I'm very grateful I'm walking with God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Andy K. Rose M. Hi, this is Rose M. Um, I'm a very grateful, compulsive, um, recovered. I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, thank you so much, Melanie, for your service. Um, and uh, when I read this paragraph, I uh, I thought about how it was before um, before I read the doctor's opinion. 
um, and before I, um, when I was really suffering and when I couldn't figure out why I couldn't stop eating, um, even though I knew it was killing me. Um, and just that kind of suffering um, is really what, you know, um, motivates me to um, share the message with others. Um, it's really a, um, it's, it's really an insidious disease when, um, you know, when I think about how I convinced myself that I didn't have a problem, how I would sit there in a doctor's office and, you know, say that, oh, my eating's completely normal. Um, and, and it wasn't. Um, so I think there's a lot of self-deception when we're, when we're in the disease. Um, but once I read that doctor's opinion, once I heard the message, um, I was able to diagnose myself, and that's so important. Um, I, I was talking to um, my doctor recently um, who's been seeing me for about a year, and um, he's seen a lot of changes in me. And um, the last time I saw him, he said, can you tell me more about this OA? Because I've, I've never heard, I've never seen anything like this. And, um, and, he, and you know, I told him, I, I you know, shared, shared everything I could with him, um, and he listened. And I think from the perspective of someone like him and someone like me who's a healthcare professional, I can tell you it's such a huge problem. Um, I can't diagnose people, but what we can do is share the message so that people have the chance to diagnose themselves. Um, I'm just so grateful for that chance. I'm so grateful uh, to be recovered. Um, And if you're listening on the line and you're new and you think that you're so messed up and there's no hope, don't let the shame talk to you that way. You know, don't don't get caught in the shame because there's so many of us here and there's so many people suffering. You're not alone. I think being caught in the diet mentality for so long, you know, all you hear is like willpower, willpower. If you have enough willpower, you can do it. And it's not about willpower. And I was, I was so caught up in the shame when I was in that mentality. Um, but you're not alone and we have this beautiful fellowship um, and there's so much hope, and I'm just, I'm just so thankful for that. Um, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to, um, you know, share hope with others um, and to help people um, get, get started on the path to recovery. So um, thank you. Um, thank you so much, everybody, and thank you, Melanie, for your service. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rose M. Sherry KB? Good morning, Good Melanie. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovery Compulsive Reader. Um, thank you for your service, Melanie. Hope you're feeling better. Um, so here we're, this, this paragraph is actually describing the, um, the allergy uh, for me. And it says, you know, I don't like to say you're a compulsive overeater. Um, you have to diagnose yourself, but I can tell you what I'm like. Um, I, you know, I've definitely tried controlled eating. Um, I tried to to start and stop abruptly, and any kind of red light foods, binge foods, whatever you want to call them, uh, trigger foods, uh, trigger uh, you know binge food behaviors, uh, compulsive behaviors, and tried to stop abruptly. I never could. Um, and it it is we have a twofold illness: a physical allergy of the body and a mental obsession of the mind. And this is definitely describing the physical allergy and what it's like. And, you know, I just have to concede to my innermost self, am, am I a compulsive overeater? And I can look at my history um, and tell you, yes, I am. I have done some really crazy things. Um, the one thing that stands out for me is how when I get into certain foods and I can't get to them anymore, I do get restless, irritable, and discontent. And um, I think I'm just taking the edge off, you know, and but it once it starts, I can't stop. And I have actually realized I have gotten into um, gone on vacation and started out with the intention of doing real, be really good on my vacation. And then something will happen. My husband and I will get in a fight. And next thing I know, I'm off to the races. I'm like, I'm just going to go run an errand. And the next thing I know, I'm face down in the food during the whole vacation and just finding ways in which to get away from them in order to eat. And because, and what I have done is I have made the food more important than, than people in my life and my vacations. And I love vacations and I love to travel. And, um, you know, and my higher power is nowhere to be found when I'm face down in the food. <clears throat> and I, I have incidences growing up uh, of activities I was in just so I could get to the food. 
Um, and that's what I do know is for myself. I can only diagnose myself, and I have to just get honest with myself because there are certain foods that I try, and I'm so sensitive now to um, flour and sugar that I can tell when something's in, um, when sugar's in the food. Um, someone else was describing that early on the on the bridge, and um, you know I, I I'm so sensitive to it that I can I can tell it now. Before when I was in the food, I I was such in a fog, food fog, and and blackouts that I nothing tasted sweet to me. I kept trying to get that sweet, and um, it just was really crazy. And again, my higher power was not there to help because I was too far gone. And what I want to last say is there's a little joke that says, you know, compulsive overeaters are allergic to two things. Um, for me, flour and sugar and being told what to do. And on that, I pass. Thank you, Sherry KB. We have time that will allow for about three more people to share. Who would like to take those spots? We're sharing on page 31, paragraph 3. Christina Sylvia. Hi, Christina J. and Sylvia. Anybody else? Another spot? We'll take that for now so we can... Courtney B. Okay, got you, Courtney. Excellent. I was going to make sure we didn't squander our time here. Okay, Courtney B. I have Christina J., Sylvia F., and and Courtney B. Hi, Christina. Hi there, everybody. Uh, Christina J., compulsive overeater, recovering in Washington State. Um, Yeah, (laughs) controlled eating. I think since I've been in program, I've been trying to control different things. And it took me a while to learn that there was really nothing I could control with flour. First of all, I didn't do well on flour, and then I started trying to bake with alternative flours. And I've gotten down to this past three months, I found this banana flour. <laughs> and so, you know, I've been trying to bake with that. And the truth is, is I, I just really can't have any baked items, you know, that just trigger me. Um, my spiritual recovery at this point when I'm facing irritable, restless, and discontent to a massive amount if I have not been working the steps and tools um, and I have a baked item in the refrigerator, no matter if it's sugar-free or, you know, alternative flour or whatever, um, it will call to me if I'm not working the spiritual aspect of my program, if I'm not enlarging my walk with higher power every day. By making some calls, being of service, by cleaning up all through the day, I have to kind of clean up through the day. I can't just wait till the end of the day to do a 10 or 11 because those little instances that I think aren't important, like maybe like when he says, oh, I had words with the boss, but they weren't that, it wasn't that big of a deal. Well, <laughs> as it turned out later, we find out that he it was a big deal. And for me, those little irritable things that happen pile up and pretty soon that food's calling to me. You know, I have no business standing in the candy aisle looking for sugar-free candy bars. I have no business thinking about, well, what alternative flowers are there? This isn't for me. You know, these are things that I am I have an allergy to because they remind me of the foods that I used to eat that triggered a full-on binge. And I will get into these foods and keep eating them. So, I, I you know, I've been learning more and more about control, that I still am trying to control trying to find something that reminds me of my other foods. If it's not healthy and nutritious for my body, I have no business eating it, you know, just looking for that fix of, hey, I want a goodie. You know, that thing when I was a kid, I want a goodie, Mama. Mama, I had a bad day at school. I want a goodie. You know, and that's the same voice that jumps up and down in my head now is I want a goodie. So I don't want to try any more controlled eating with Uh, trigger substances or even substances that remind me of my trigger foods because I'll be getting into them. So everything that everyone has shared on the line today has been fantastic and um, I'm just coming to new levels of surrender around certain types of substances that don't work for me anymore. And Our abstinence changes. We learn more red light foods and we learn how we're still trying to play games, you know. And uh, so thank you for listening and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Christina J. Sylvia S. Good morning. Thank you for your service, Melanie, and um, I'm glad to be here with everyone this morning. I'm Sylvia F., a recovered compulsive overeater in California. And um, this paragraph has such a great message. And the, the thing that it reminds me of is that 
I, I'm not in trouble when I pick up food. I'm more in trouble when I forget I'm a compulsive overeater. That's when I'm already uh, headed down the tube. And it, at that point, it won't even matter what food I pick up because I'm going for it because I can't remember. And um, yesterday, I ended up having... So one of the thing, one of the triggers for me is anything, if anything happens to my body health-wise, I could stub my toe, it doesn't matter. If anything happens to me, that is a trigger for me. And I, I you know, I, I get into fear. And it doesn't matter where it came from, the lifetime of not feeling safe as a child. So what, you know, it's just the, the truth of my today is that I have fear if anything happens to me health-wise. And um Yesterday, I was at the dermatologist and suddenly had they ended up doing a procedure, a minor one. And the beauty of this recovery is for me to have a sane thought is I'm going to have to be really careful because I am, you know, I want to have something for comfort when when I get into fear afterwards. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the first thing that my brain goes to. My first, yeah. I, my first thought is I I need to have whatever food I think it is. This is what's going to make me better. And um, if I don't forget, you know, if I can remember that I'm a compulsive overeater, I can have the thought, but I don't have to act on it because I can pray, I can make calls. Um, you know, I get the pause. I get the pause, which, you know, that's what I I feel like that that's what this paragraph is talking about is that, you know, I don't have to do any more research. I've got this. I am a compulsive overeater. And there are still moments in my recovery that I will forget. It's not like I remember once and now I'm going to remember. I will forget. And um, and those are scary moments for me. So uh, today I'm recovered. I'm abstinent. I had something happen yesterday I didn't like. And um, I didn't have to go out and, and uh, do anything about that, and I didn't have to do more research. And for me, that is recovery. I feel so grateful um, to be abstinent and with all of you today. I pass. Thank you, Celia F. And Courtney B., you'll close out the meeting for us today with your show. Hi, I'm Courtney B. from Northern California. And as I was reading this, I started remembering everybody diagnosed me. Everybody diagnosed me. My parents diagnosed me. My minister, my shrink, the church, my friends, my society. My parents diagnosed me as being defiant. My shrinks diagnosed me as I had childhood issues. My church said I was under spiritual attack. I had my minister say um, I was lonely and needed a husband. My friends said I needed positive thinking seminars and needed more self-help books. My society diagnosed me as lazy, stupid, and weak-willed. But these all character moral issues. And if you would ask me, what's your problem? Honestly, with all this feedback coming at me, I would have said, I don't, I don't know. I guess they're right. And when I heard, I didn't cause this. I didn't cause this. This is not a moral issue. I can be as spiritual as I want to be or enlightened. My body still will have a physical allergy. That's never going to go away. If I needed glasses, that's not a moral issue. And I need glasses to read now. That's not a moral issue. But I didn't cause it. And I can't control it. And I can't... What was the last... I can't cause it, control it, or cure it. But it can be arrested a day at a time. If I accept in my innermost being, my body reacts differently to these certain foods than normal eaters. And it made me think of alcoholism before AA. And the medical association decided, oh, my God, this is a disease. They were treated the same way. They were the town drunk, lazy, no good for nothing bums. And society in particular, I thought, well, they've kind of labeled us as stupid and weak-willed, but all these moral shaming issues and the church telling me I wasn't spiritual enough. And what a relief to say, oh my gosh, just like the alcoholism before AA and all of this came to light. 
I didn't cause this. This is not a moral issue. And in AA, they don't think they're going to work on their childhood issues. The shrink said to me, we'll clear those up and you'll be a normal eater again. They don't do inventory to become normal drinkers again. They get in their innermost being. They're alcoholics. That's it. No more booze for my body. And that's how I feel. Oh, I get it. Spiritual or not, I have a food allergy. And I get to work up with the plug in the jug. And do I have other issues? Of course I do. But those are separate okay. from. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Courtney B. Thanks for wrapping up this meeting today. And folks, stay close. We're going to have just a bit more with greeting newcomers, getting sponsor contact information and some brief announcements. So sit tight, please, with us if you can. Thank you to everyone who shared today. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Mary H., would you please read A Vision for You? A book is meant to be suggestive only. Star one, Mary H., How about Gina R? Can you read page 164 for us? I'm here. Oh, there, I'm here. there you are. There I'm you so are. Sorry. Oh, okay, sorry. I didn't give you enough time. Okay. No, Thank I was you. just lit, doing the dishes and enjoying everyone's shares, and then I heard Mary H. Oh, okay. So, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.